heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today. It is Tuesday morning, the 23rd of May. You're with Ben Dobbin across Rural Queensland today. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning. Spotify is where our show is at, Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland today and you can download it anytime you like uh, for all the latest. We've got a huge show for you this morning. Uh, we're going to catch up a little later with Tony Williams, the Rockhampton Regional Council Mayor. Morton Co. obviously establishing a huge feedlot there, but also the challenges around this wind farm and what is going on there in induced crime. Pauline Hanson, not far away. We're going to also talk origin and Adam Kay from Australian Cotton, which is obviously he's the CEO of Cotton Australia and uh, he's a big part of it. Uh, a shout out to my old mate, Marcus Kirk, a big, big uh, win. He um, He's obviously... Uh, up and about, and obviously, and we try and try and get him. He won the Alenco Computo's Best of the Best Restricted Open Riding Romeo's Destiny, securing the thousand dollars first place prize money, and the Elder's Maiden B when he combined with Metallic Swift, two hundred sixty one points uh, with Madison Hall uh, riding Curious Acres at the Julia Creek Camp Draft. Geez, he'd drink that at the bar, wouldn't he? Um, well done to that. Um, also, uh, Pete Comiskey winning down at Willinga Park. We'll get on contact with him as well probably tomorrow, no doubt, and have a look at what's going on. Big show. I'm going to give you some origin players as well. We're going to catch up with Kurt Catewell on the disappointment after being left out. So much to get through this morning. This is Rural Queensland Today, and you're with Ben Dobbin. It is Tuesday morning, the 23rd of May. Let's get into it. Senator Pauline Hanson joins us next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's a great pleasure to have Senator Pauline Hanson joining us this morning. If you want some sense talked um, with what is going on in this great country of ours, you don't have to look much further than talking to Pauline. She joins us this morning. Pauline, thanks so much for giving me some time this morning on Rural Queensland oh, no. today. My pleasure. Look, that's a beautiful intro. Thank you. Um, um, I have to speak common sense, you know, I've never lost my grassroots because I've, you know, where I come from, what I've done, and I think that's what people want from their politicians is some grassroots common sense. This youth crime, I'm going to start with the youth crime. Pauline, I mean, you you had businesses in Ipswich, you're a councillor here, you, you, you've seen it, and at that stage, Ipswich, as much as I love it and I'm born and bred, it had its challenges, but never has it had the challenges that it, it now faces across this state, and if it was ever going to be anywhere, it was in the southeast. But it's been going on across the country. But more importantly, in rural and regional Queensland, we've talked about it before. And it's finally now that the Premier's like, oh, we're going to build more jails. We're going It is embarrassing what is going on. We need to get a different way to try and get this under, under control because, for me, our country is on the brink. It really is, and I don't want to be dramatic about it. We have got lunatics um, that are with the Greens and the Labor Party that are absolutely destroying the fabric of Australia. It certainly is, and people talk to me about it all the time. What we've been doing hasn't worked, and what's been happening over the years, the governments, through their policy or the or their bleeding hearts groups and everyone like that, have been talking about the rights of the child 
and you know, and we should be patient with them and all the rest. But what we failed to done is to teach them respect and responsibility. We've taken authority out of the hands of the teachers who can't, you know, what can I say, keep them back for detention yep. or punishment um, like we did at school when I went to school. And we've taken authority out of the hands of the parents to deal with the, the kids. Even these days, if a child wants to have a sex change or puberty blockers, parents have no right to interfere. You cannot tell them you can't. And if you interfere, and I'm talking about children under 17, yeah. 18 years of age, you can have that child taken from you. I've spoken to the parents who've come to see me and spoke to me about what they've been through with government. So what we've done is is to destroy the fabric of the family and teach these kids responsibilities. Building more jails is not the answer to it, not with children. And that's what I've, I've made comments that I think that we need to teach the kids, have people who've been hoons, who've been crime, to go in front of the classroom and tell those kids by hooning, by being prison, where it's got them in life, to explain the circumstances and to take action for, you know, responsibility for their actions. Just, you know, tell them what the future may look like. You're going to have a record, you're never be able to travel, you might get a visa, you sort of destroy your chances. You're going to be marked for life. And you could go on to end up the big prisons with the big <coughs> big boys. Yeah. Another thing is that we need to actually put them into not detention centres because these detention centres, um, they, they're too easy going. They're better than at home. So they get fed well. They get computer games. They play pool. They have all the facilities that they can't find anywhere else. So they go and tell their mates. And the mates say, oh, great. You should actually, it's fantastic. You should go and do a crime. You'll get down there. So they repeat offenders to purely get into the detention centres. And years ago, I read that it cost us about $470,000 per per child in a detention centre per year. So it's costing taxpayers. We need to put these kids into boot camps. Now, there's one outside of Townsville, the elders, I spoke to the elders there, they want to start up the boot camp and it goes back to, like, back to the country. They take them back to the grassroots, but not just for Aboriginals, but for white kids as well. There's a school there, they, they go to school. I'm not going to push the kids to go to school because if they do, they could disrupt the class, but to try and encourage them to go to school. But they don't have it easy. They have to camp in a swag. They have to do the hard yakka. They have to do the work, and it's all about discipline. I went to the federal government to, to ask them to get half a million dollars from them to start this up. You know, I yeah. couldn't get the door. Nothing. So these are things that we need to actually do, and there has to be, I don't care what age that kid is, there has to be punishment for the crime that's done. Yeah. What, whatever it may be, there has to be. And that's what the kids have to be taught. And all this that's going on in Alice Springs and, and these kids, and it's mainly a lot of it's Aboriginal, and not the whole lot, but a lot of it is, yeah. is when Lydia Thorpe gets out there and says, this is war. When you've got the hatred that's going on, the divisiveness in this country, that the whites took the land from them, this is their land, that's a big problem that we have. Well, this is the thing. This voice vote is it is dividing our country, even with the with the Caucasians and 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 also with the Aboriginals. There are Aboriginals that don't want the vote, do do not want it to happen. There are people. Um, I, I work in the NRL. They're fully supportive. I I get it. But the, what it is doing, and the wording of it is dangerous. It is a extremely divisive bit of information that has happened, and I'm concerned that our great country. It is going to be at war with each other because 
that's that's the kind of lunatics that are coming out when people disagree with them. They are, but they also did this to me years ago when I called for equality for Aboriginals, and I and I, you know, said, "What is the problem with the system? It's the welfare system, the alcohol, it was the drugs, and everything like that." Well, see, they had a go at me, and uh, I remember Noel Pearson coming and said exactly what I was saying. He gets a pat on the back. I get called racist because I'm white. And until we deal with the real issues, this putting it in the Constitution or giving them constitutional power or giving them a voice in Parliament is not going to change a thing. Not a thing. You know, when we had Marbo and we and the courts decided that, okay, there is native title claim here, and then how it opened up the native title claim, I don't think a lot of people know this. From that one, one event that in 1960s, it's now exploded to the Aboriginals own 50% under native title in Australia, yeah. and it's growing. Yeah. expected to grow to beyond 60%. So they've had the land given back to them. The sorry, giving a sorry never worked. You know, to do the closing gap generation hasn't worked. With $33 billion a year hasn't worked. Until you realise that these people cannot um, govern themselves, they've got 3,000 Aboriginal corporations, there, there's so much corruption, nepotism, and there's division within their groups because they're all tribal, different groups. They don't agree with each other. It will never work. And I said right from the beginning, 1996, when I learnt that Peter Joel was wanting to do exactly the same thing what was happening in Nunavut, which is the Inuit people. And in 1999, the Canadian government split four provinces None of us, one of them, and gave it to back to the Inuits. There's only about 150,000 people. The Canadian government pays them 2.5 billion a year. They can't, they can't govern it, and they're still going debt. Last one between 21, 22, they were in a deficit of 24 million dollars. Wow! So that's been growing. So what I'm saying is, and if you read the reports. There's still housing is disgraceful. The health is an issue. The education hasn't changed. So they've been governing themselves to no avail, and it's worse now where they're going back to the and to the um, lower provinces, you know, the Canadian government and other areas to actually get the systems that they help have. So until you actually have an audit of where this money's going, who's got it, who's spending it, who's controlling it, nothing will change. Dobbo. Yeah, and if you give them the voice, that um, legislation affects Aboriginal people. Eighty percent of Aboriginal people in Torres Strait Islanders live in the cities and urban areas. Only twenty percent rural and regional Australia. So every bit of legislation that the government puts up or I put up, we have to discuss with them to get their approval. And therefore, it's going to hold up legislation. You will get nothing passed. They're, who are you going to get? They're not an elected body. It is, it is going to be so divisive. And another thing, I'm sorry if I, if I go on too much about this, but I'm passionate about it, is that why are we giving rights back to an Aboriginal who's, who's born here, that, you know, and as old as I am or younger, any Aboriginal that's born at this time, why do they have more right to this land than me? Because I'm white. I was born here. This is my land. I've, I'll fight to the death for it, to protect it. Why are they any different to me? Why should they get reparations for their ancestry, if they have ancestry, that means claiming Aboriginality now, 
of going back over 200 years ago. What what rights do they do they get reparations? What difference is it to you people to people that here that are um, descendants of the of the um, convicts that came yeah. out here? No, it's very, very true. And a lot of people listening, a lot of people would be listening to that this morning and agreeing with you. Now I've got to talk about this. Can I on a lighter note? Can we talk about the Paul Hanson winter collection of hand-knitted jumpers to raise money for the legal battle um, against um, a Greens MP? I'm not even going to give you a note. What is the story behind this? Are you hand-knitting jumpers? Yeah, I've been doing it for years. Although I had a, a, I had a, quite a few here. That I, I just love my knitting. It yeah. relaxes me. I watch a movie and um, it just something that I've enjoyed doing. And uh, apart from my gardening and my reading, and so I keep myself busy all the time. And um, it's just something that I love to do. So um, I thought, no, I'm going to help. I appreciate those people that have actually helped donate to me because it's wonderful. But I thought it's just, you know, trying to help myself as well. You don't expect everyone to do anything for you. For you. You know, I've got to um, pull your weight and try and help yourself. So I put these up and I thought, you know, these people that have donated, maybe they might be able to get something out of it from me yeah. and, and it's one of my hand-knitted jumpers. So I've got to say, after knitting for uh, what, um, about 55 years, um, I've come pretty good at it. I'm going to get so you to knit, mate. Uh, I want, I want a jumper, Pauline. I'd love a hand-knitted <laughs> jumper from you. Um <laughs> Um, uh, so, so how do people go on to buy the hand-knitted jumpers? How, how does this work? Well, if you go on the onenation.com.org um, website yeah. and they've got the collection there and you can have a look. at this. There's seven up there and, um, yeah, so anyway, they can go in and make a bid on it. But I appreciate what people have done. It's just uh, lovely. And I've got my own labels on it. So I put my label on it and I'll get a certificate. Unreal. That says it is from me, so no one is going to go out there and try and say they're going to sell a boy hands and hand knit. How much do you reckon and, you're going to raise? What's the what's the what's the um... well, the one that um, most now is a thousand dollars for the jumper. Right. Um, the, the other's about six seven hundred dollars on on the jumpers. But anyway, it finishes on the eleventh of um, June, so I'm really happy with it. But I've got to tell you, the job, even when I'm driving around the car with James. And we've actually, you know, do these long trips in the car. I have taken my knitting, so I've been knitting in the car. And he always used to say, "Call my granny knits." I said, "Oh, okay, mate." So anyway, I knitted him a jumper, and uh, last year uh, for his birthday. Well, he loved it, and he said he can't wait to get the cold to start wearing it. So he's over granny knits. He reckons he's uh, oh, a great you. jumper. I'm with you. I'm going to get a jumper myself. Pauline Hanson, it's great to have you on Rural Queensland today. You've got a huge following and a lot of support throughout Queensland. And uh, if anybody wants to help um, raise money for her legal battles after she's being sued by uh, Greens MP, um, and I'm not even going to give him any any at all, any <laughs> name or, or uh, recognition. Hello. Yeah. Can I just tell you something? It's not just the one court case, all right? I mean, for the human rights and the defamation case for for standing up for two women who were sexually harassed. Yeah. All right, so I'm defending that at the moment. I've got another charge against me that they're into uh, a false charge against me. So it's just not the one court case. So I've got three court cases at the moment with another one pending. So and um, last year I was ordered to pay a person back um, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. 
Um, and that's been that went to the pure last week. So I'm looking for an outcome of that, a positive outcome to get out of that. So it's just not the one court case. It's it's standing up for the rights of other people. So um, and that's me. And I will fight this uh, with Maureen Peruki against 18C, which will give us back our rights to have an opinion and have a, a voice in this country. So that's what it's about. Yeah, well said. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland Today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dobbo. Good on you. One Nation Senator Pauline Hanson. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, Origin season is alive and well. And yesterday when the team got announced, all the players met and it was a pretty big day. Uh, Promo shoots, media opportunities. And then last night they went to the Caxton for dinner. Today, the Queensland side will have a training session at the Broncos headquarters and then they'll head to a lunch. Uh, that will take place in Brisbane, a big welcome to Origin Lunch, and Queensland are heavily involved. And from there, um, they head down to Sanctuary Cove. Training gets underway, and that's when the serious business... Monday, they fly to Adelaide, and obviously next week, Game 1 is in Adelaide. I was lucky enough yesterday to catch up with the captain of the Queensland Maroons for Rural Queensland today, Daly Cherry Evans. Daly Cherry Evans, captain of the Queensland side, always an honour, no doubt. Um, and this series, once again, you guys want to retain the series. It, it, it is so, so big now as the reigning series winners. How special is this? Yeah, it is, mate. Um, I was just speaking about it before. I still take a lot of pride and am so grateful for the call that I get from the coach just to to confirm. Yeah. You know, I'm the halfback and captain, so. I'll never get sick of that, I don't reckon, mate. Um, I take a lot of pride in that, like I mentioned. So we get an opportunity to, um, I guess, to prove to people that it wasn't just a one-off. The next challenge for us as a side is to go back-to-back series. So um, it's not going to be easy. We know how hard it is to win one, let alone back-to-back, but um, Billy's picked a a side to give us the best chance to do that and start it off. So it's pretty exciting, mate. Seven changes since that last game, and and I've got to ask you, like I mean, as the captain, do you have any say? Do you talk to Bill before that side gets named? No, I don't, um, and I like it like that. I really do like to keep that really clean. Where um, I'm a player first, and I believe the coach and the selectors have an amazing job to pick the best side, but that's not for me to worry about. What my job is, is as a captain and halfback, is once they pick the side, do my job, get the boys together get really clear about the style of footy we want to play and help execute it now next Wednesday. So, no, I, I don't have a say in it, but I, I do like it like that, mate. Can I ask you this? When when you look at the seven changes, Calabong was man of the match. He would feel a, a little unlucky that he wasn't selected. Um, but the challenge is now that, you know, and you've been there, you've been out of this origin yeah. side in the past, that... How difficult is it, and, and what do you think he needs to do to, to put his hand up to say, hey, Billy, I, I, I'm right to go? Yeah, mate, I, I can speak on behalf of him on this one because it did happen to me, and my advice is stay hungry. Stay really hungry and motivated and earn, earn your way back in because yeah. it's so rewarding when you get back in. And yeah. my, my journey took three years yeah. to get back into this side, but I tell you what, um, when I got back... It's one of the most rewarding things I've had in my uh, rugby league career and the resilience that it, it taught me. Um, it's the hardships in your career that really define you and I've, I take a lot of pride in getting back into the side over that long period and that's my advice to the boys now. Stay hungry, stay determined because it's worth it. 
It, 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 it is pretty exciting what's happened. I mean, you, Papa retires, Tom Flegler comes in. Um, you know, the hammer forces his way in there. That Gags can't be there, who's been a, a stalwart. Mm. This side, although Billy doesn't want to admit it, 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 there's a lot of form in this side. There's nobody in this side that's playing badly. Capes has been really good. He misses out yep. for Fafita and... And obviously yep. um, the likes of um, Tommy Gilbert who have just forced their way in. So that's the exciting thing. This new brigade of Queensland players that yep. are actually playing and are in yep. form. Yep. And it's um, these boys that you're mentioning that haven't made the side. Like They're not just teammates. They're my me, they're mates. Yeah. So I do feel for them. But it's really important for me to make sure that I don't um, stop and, and sit on that for too long. Um, the energy has to go into the boys that are here. Um, so while I definitely feel for the boys that aren't here, it's it's really hard not to get excited quickly about what's here. Hammers played unbelievable footy to start the footy to start the year, mate. Um, Reece Walsh, he's, he set the world on fire at fullback for the Bronx. So I can't wait to get these boys in the game. And then you think about, you know. Papa, you know, the unofficial leader of this team for so long, for the last couple of years um, at least. He, he's a big loss, but you can't tell me that these boys that are playing in his place aren't excited to be that guy now. Yeah. Whether that's Pat Carrigan, whether it's Tom Flegler, Tino, like we're talking about these young fellas. Hey, Lindsay that, Collins, you've got, some Lindsay, proper, you've got some proper firebrands that are going to go out there mate, and all they want to do is represent their state. That's right. So the opportunity's there for them to not be Papa. They don't have to be Papa. Yeah. They just got to now understand that it's their turn, and they got to get excited about that because that's all Queensland needs anyone to be in this team is to make sure they be themselves, but a lot of pride in it. Ola Kawadu not in that New South Wales side. He's a teammate of yours. What did you make of that New South Wales team? Um, they went with Tavita, like, um, and that's fine. Yep. But geez, I thought he might have done enough. Yeah, they probably um, picked on what they believed is form as well, right? Yep. Um, Biasly, I think when you think of form, I think Olakuatu starts of the year. So, um, I, I'm, as a teammate, I'm disappointed he's not there because I've seen how hard he's worked to get into the form he's in. Yeah. Um, but come Wednesday night, I'm probably going to be a little bit happy I'm not tackling him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adelaide, uh, you played there before. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a nice it's a nice place to play rugby league. It's a pretty special place as well. Remembering. That game was COVID, and um, yeah. it was a it was a weird, weird night. But Queensland won, and it, and it paved the way for a pretty special series. It was. It was game one as well, so you yeah. can understand the importance in game one of a series, and in particular when it's at a, a neutral venue. So um, we just got to make sure that we're we're not focused about whether what they're going to do in particular. Like mainly, it's us. We just got to make sure we're going down there with that really steely mindset. Um, if we have to think of it as a Suncorp, then so be it. You know, we just got to make sure we go down with, there with the mentality that we're going to go down there and do whatever it takes to get a win. So um, there's a lot that happens before that, but I'm looking forward to getting down to Adelaide. Um, um, like you said, the COVID, yeah. we, we flew in and flew out on the same day. So I haven't, I haven't seen anything of Adelaide. Yeah, the Barossa, mate. <laughs> we saw the hotel room and then yeah. we went to the field and then flew out. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, uh, crazy times. Good on you, mate. Best of luck, eh? Thanks, Sobo. Cheers. Cheers now, on the other side of it, there was one bloke who was very disappointed and that's Charleville's very own Kurt Capewell. He was back training at the Broncos yesterday and I was lucky enough to catch up with Kurt not only for the disappointment that he's faced um, missing out um, and obviously he knows – what is going on and what he has to do, but also the exciting news that Wendell Saylor's son, Tristan, will be making his debut against the Warriors in Napier on Saturday night. Here is Kurt Capel on the disappointment of not being selected and also 
a challenge for them to win and for him to get back into the side. But Tristan Saylor joining the Broncos ranks. Kurt, um, obviously disappointed. I mean, you bleed Queensland. Um, how did it come about? You get a phone call last night. Yeah, Bill rang me last night, which was good of him to let me know. You know I was sitting around a bit sort of wondering, but, um, yeah, unfortunately he didn't make the cut, so. Any feedback? Did he say reason why? Yeah, I probably just haven't been in my best form of late, so he's, he's picking blokes that are in good form, and um, hopefully we still get the job done. How hard is it? Like, I mean, you've then got to get yourself up to go for the Warriors, and you're a professional, um, and yeah, you're from Charleville. It, it means everything to you, playing for Queensland. Yeah, oh, it's not too hard, mate. I got... Got a fair job to do here, to be honest. We've had a um, pretty rough month. Um, played some big games this month, so looking looking to get the Broncos back on the right side of the scoreboard, and and uh, I think in doing that, play myself back into some form, hopefully. Um, Billy Slater said this morning he doesn't rule out, you know, bringing you guys back in. It's very much your Queensland. Is that the goal now? Oh, 100%, mate. As I said, I want to play myself back into form and um, put myself back in the picture for game two. Um, yeah, there's not much more I can do now for game one, so the job is to get the win for the Broncos and, and get us back on the on the right side of the scoreboard. Pretty exciting about uh, Tristan Saylor going to make his debut, the history of the Saylor name, and he's going to play fullback. Can't wait. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's pretty special. It's a pretty good story. Tristan came in, he's worked his butt off. Um, he's been one of our best all year. And as you've seen in Queensland Cup, he's just enormous for them. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to see him play for us, and it's going to be a, yeah, a pretty big week for a few of our boys. What about four blokes out, but you still got a very, very strong side, um, you know, and, and the number one who's normally there, he's going to make his debut for Queensland as well. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, exciting times for the club. Um, obviously, we've got you know, four blokes in there and starting, so uh, I wish him nothing but the best. It'd be awesome to see Walsh with the Maroons jersey on and see him light up the field against the Blues. Good on you, mate. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yep, that's a great story, and geez, he's a good man, Kurt Capewell. So giving to make sure that even though he was disappointed, he was able to talk to me. Uh, just quite unbelievable. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. We'll take a break, come back with more after this. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Let's head about the cotton industry. Cotton Australia CEO Adam Kay joins us this morning, and he's in Darwin. I never thought I'd say this, but there is cotton growing in the Northern Territory, and it's a really, really big operation that's going to – long-term vision, there's going to be plenty of it as time goes on. Adam, good morning. How are you, mate? Yeah, going real well. Uh, great to have a chat with you this morning. I mean, it's pretty special you're in Darwin and they've started picking cotton. Yeah, no, it, it is. The um, industry is starting to really develop up here in the Northern Territory and WA and, and it also up in far north Queensland as well. And it's just uh, exciting to um, you know see a new industry developing. I, I know that you know, the Territory government and people are excited too because uh, you know as well as the beautiful fibre that we produce in Australian cotton, for every tonne of fibre, there's more than a ton of cotton seed, and I tell you what, there's a lot of cattlemen up here that just want to get their hands on that cotton seed because it's it's just so good for finishing the cattle. Oh, isn't it unbelievable? There's no two ways. Cotton seed is one of the commodities that people just absolutely value. Can I ask you this? Um, predictions now are that it's a 5.5 million bale crop um, for this year, the second largest of all time after last year's monster. Did you see it coming? Did you see that was where it was in line? To have two back-to-back is pretty special. Uh, it, it is very special, and it's it's really on the back of some phenomenal yields that we're getting. You know, the yields are above average, and uh, I guess you know all our all our forecasts were working on average yields. It was a pretty tough start to the year, and uh, and all of a sudden we're getting these crops off, and places like St George and Dirranbandi have hit it out of the park. You know, there's some wonderful yields out there. You know, looking pretty good up in Emerald in central Queensland. 
and, and even out at Burke in um, Western New South Wales is looking good. So all those areas that we sort of think of as really hot, I think it's slightly cooler summer. It was just fantastic for them, and uh, and the yields are, have skyrocketed. So, yeah, it's wonderful. High yields and the quality of the cotton. Um, you know, the classing rooms tell me it's just wonderful quality. So it's, it's going to be in demand in the um, in the spinning mills in Asia. So talk to me about world stage and where we sit long term. I mean, we, we know full well that Australian cotton is far superior to others, but rival countries are growing it cheaper. They're putting it on the market a little cheaper. They're trying to get it into markets that you guys created. So what separates Australian cotton and I know these are some of the challenges that you face and, and some of the challenges that the beef industry face as well. What, what what can you guys do differently to make sure that you are the first picked? Well, that quality is is very important, you know, to the spinning mills. Um, you know, they love high quality because it helps them in spinning the product. But the, the further step is getting our sustainability credentials out there, letting people know how we grow the crop. Because more and more, the real end users, not the spinning mill, but the brands and retailers need to know that it was grown sustainably, that there were no human rights abuses. And by telling that story, that gives Australian cotton a huge advantage. And and only two weeks ago, we had uh, 50 of some of the world's biggest brands and retailers out in the field, um, taking them around the Australian cotton industry, meeting the farmers, learning about our best practices program. You know, the likes of Uniqlo, Stella McCartney, Walmart, companies like that, and and they're seeing it firsthand, and that really helps pull the cotton through the uh, through the supply chain. So when they, they come over, what, what, you know, to me, you don't have to sell it because I know, but are they fascinated by just how we do it? Is there a love of the Australian cotton, some of those big brand well, names? There is when they leave. You know, it certainly uh, it amazes us sometimes, even with the Australian brands and retailers that were there. You know, we had the, the, the big W's and the country roads and everyone there as well. But the number of people in that in that industry, in the brands and retailers that have never seen where the product comes from. They've probably worked with the fabric all their lives, but they've never been out in the field. They've never be, met the farmers. And I tell you, when you, you take that one end of the supply chain, those brands and retailers, and they meet the, the farmers growing it, and you cut out all the middlemen, it's very special. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. I, I, I love that. I love the fact that you guys are doing that, and and obviously the market is very strong. 640 a bale, where does that sit, like price-wise? Where, where, where is the, the top of this market? Where's the bottom? Well, look, you know, historically, that's a great price. You know, uh, uh, anything with a six in front of it's a, a good price, but – You've just got to look at the diesel prices and the fertilizer prices, and um, it's really important that you know growers are on top of their gross margin because you know the cost of production, just like the cost of everything in our lives at the moment, has gone up, and so you've got to be you know really tight on your budgets and understand just because the the price of the cotton is good doesn't mean everyone's making a mozza because their their cost of production have gone up too. So we've got to keep it in perspective a little bit. Oh, I really like it. Can I just talk just quickly? Um, we're seeing a Labor government, and I understand the challenges, but they're trying to buy back water, and they're really fundamentally looking at this water market and the Murray-Darling. I am concerned, and this is my own concern, and for, for Queenslanders, for New South Wales, for water users who are environmentalists, 
that we're getting our hands tied, which could have a huge ripple effect on the industry uh, if we're not careful from the Labor government. Look, we are very anti the water buybacks. And we're not anti from the industry point of view. We're anti from protecting our communities where we grow cotton because every water licence that gets bought out of a a St George or a Dolby or whatever it is. It's an it's another family that leaves the area. It's a it's you know the money doesn't stay in the area. It goes to the coast and it impacts our regional communities. There's there's then the, the fuel man that runs the fuel out to that uh, irrigation farm. Well, he's not needed anymore to run out to that farm, and there's no fertilizer sold out there, and it it ripples right through the community. And the thing that you know we keep pointing out to the uh, Environment Minister is that there are other ways of doing this that don't have those impacts on our communities. You know, there there's ways to invest in water use efficiency that you can get water back. A whole lot of on-farm uh, methods, there's off-farm methods. We've seen some great um, work on some irrigation schemes where they've been able to give back a lot of water and modernise the scheme at the same time. So, you know, our plea to the Environment Minister is to just have a look at the other ways. The, the, the buybacks are quick and and but have a massive impact on regional communities, whereas the other uh, methods, are, they're, they're more difficult, but, you know, they're almost like a little regional stimulus package. They're actually putting dollars back into the region. So, you know, we're, we're really concerned about uh, buybacks because bureaucrats like them because they're, they're quick and easy, but um, the impacts in regional Australia are heartfelt. Yeah, they're dead right. You're 100% right, and that's the biggest concern going forward, um, that, that that they don't look at the impact on these regions, and, and it's just not the farmer. It's the, the, the tyre fitter. It's the welder. It's the fuel station. It's the supermarket. Everybody suffers from these knee-jerk reactions to appease a Greens movement um, when we are already doing so much in that sphere as environmentalists. Really appreciate your time this morning, mate. Uh, I love having a, a chat with you. Adam Kay from uh, Cotton Australia, and obviously uh, he's the CEO, and this market is just flying. And I'm bloody happy because for a long time, um, the cotton growers, they continued to stick at it but made nowhere near the money that they are making at the moment, and gee whiz, it's good for the economy. Great to chat, mate. Fantastic. Thanks, Dobbo. I appreciate it. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. You're on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's Tuesday morning, the 23rd of May. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Let's head to Rockhampton. Uh, Rockhampton Regional Council Mayor Tony Williams joins us this morning, and I mentioned this last week just about how excited I was that Morton Co. planned to build a new state-of-the-art feedlot west of Rockhampton. Uh, it's been given the green light. Well, uh, Tony joins us this morning. How are you, mate? Um, obviously, great news. I mean, there's no two ways about it. 125,000 head th- of cattle um, turning over through one year, a $15 million fertiliser plant, um, 43,000 tonnes of manure going through that. I mean, it's it's genuinely a mothership that's going to create a lot of jobs and it's going to be fantastic for your economy. Yeah, no, Ben, uh, and good morning to you and all your listeners, mate. Um, yeah, you, you say you're excited, I'm over the moon. It's, uh, it's a great announcement and one that really does uh, solidify our standing as a, the beef capital of Australia. Um, we welcomed uh, Charlie Mort and uh, Stephen O'Brien here last week to uh, to join them in their announcement of the uh, their investment into the region. So, um, like you mentioned, it's a, it's a major feedlot and one there that uh, we see as a great, uh, great opportunity to to not only um, you know for our meat processes and uh, and uh, being the beef capital, their reasoning that they moved into this area was because of the large um, herds that we have in the CQ region, which is over three million uh, cattle. 
So you can you can understand the uh, the reasoning around um, wanting to set up uh, business here. So uh, we, um, we we really do welcome them to the beef capital and uh, look forward to uh, you know further investment in uh, in the years to come. The big thing about it is that I can see about it is that. It's sort of like, well, why has it taken so long? Um, I mean, you've got to have investors, you've got to have people that write, but a feedlot of this proportion, you know, that's open to outside, you know, and, and people being able to sell there. I mean, we know that GNU is around, and there are other big feedlots around, but this is a, a phenomenal thing. Morton Cow have been very strong, and we know what Grassdale looks like, and for them to replicate um, sort of something of the similar size and, and and looking at it out of Rockhampton is an important part of the puzzle, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, I think it's just, uh, you know, credit to the Morton Co. team. It's it's one that they've, they've looked to that investment and see what that means. Um, you know, expanding from, from what their current operations are and other, other feedlots around the region, but it, it is something there that we've, uh, we've all had smaller feedlot uh, locations here, but... Uh, this is a, a major one and one that we can see, um, you know, great uh, potential for the economy with uh, with over 31 million to the local uh, economy, but over 53 million to the regional economy. So, um, you know, that's a fantastic investment in uh, in the industry and one that uh, really does uh, solidify their position. Uh, and uh, we're we're, yeah, we're very happy to uh, to work with them and, and what that means. There's even opportunity to uh, to look at the animal waste and and create uh, val- uh, yeah, value value adding onto their uh, their uh, organic fertilizers so uh, that was something that I was interested in and um, you know uh, hopefully we can work with them to uh, to get that planned off the ground as well geez you've done some um, there's, there's a lot going on I mean not only you know is the town growing I mean you've got you've got some issues because of I suppose in some ways the the toing and froing in the political landscape from federal and state, you know, and, and the pulling of funding and, and, and the giving back of funding, that's always a, a hard thing to juggle. But these kind of announcements really boost the economy. We we I was lucky enough to be at the beef launch last week in Brisbane. Um, next year in May in 2024 is going to be pretty uh, unbelievable. Um, Simon Irwin is doing a fantastic job with his crew there um, out of Rockhampton. So there's some fundamentally exciting things there but there is some real challenges and 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 I and I, as the mayor you're looking at all these positives how do you navigate and it's not even you know it's it's very hard in your wheelhouse the youth crime issue that that that's the because we I look at Rockhampton and I think about the beef capital I think about a fantastic town I think about a rugby league community I think about you know a rugby community a really and but you know a really great town but to the world at the moment all we're seeing is the the negatives, you know, the, the youth crime challenges. So, as the mayor and the council, you, you guys, it's a real juggling act for you at the moment. Oh, look, and uh, you know, Ben, you're, you're right. We're, we're trying our level best to to promote the region as a place to come and invest and uh, and live and stay. Um, but these, these, you know, this youth crime thing, it's, it's not only local to Rockhampton; it's across the state, but. Yeah. Uh, we we're not uh, we're not any different to 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 the problems that that's facing at the moment, and that takes all levels of government to work together and uh, and look for a solution because it's not going to happen overnight. There's no silver bullet. It's it's a way that they they all need to pull together and uh, and find a solution for that. But uh, no, we 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 got lovely people born and raised in Rocky. I, I know what uh, what you're talking about, and you know people. Are, there's friendly people in the town that. Uh, and we're trying our best to um, to, to build the tourism, uh, you know, with Mighty Fitzroy and uh, and what we say with working with beef and 
it's it's something there that um, yeah is dragging us back, um, which is not what we need to be focused on. We've got to really promote the you know uh, as a destination for you know visitors to the area, but uh, for our locals as well, they need to be safe in the streets. And uh, you know I'm keen to work with uh, both levels of government to to achieve that. Um, you know the the political argy bargy is uh, you know the higher levels of government. I try not to get involved in that too much, but. Uh, they do. They do really need to sit around the table and work out a solution in this uh, in this issue. And I, I think it even goes broader than that, Ben. And it's it's more a national issue too, because I think it goes right back to the stolen generation and how um, how families were separated. And I just don't think those family units are there now. And it's uh, it's generational problem that's uh, that's coming to the surface at the moment. So yeah, it's it's a real problem and one uh, one I'm happy to work with uh, other levels of government to try and find solutions. I understand how full on at the moment uh, it is for you. The wind farm situation um, and the proposal has got a lot of people up in arms and I understand it, it's a juggling act. Where are we at with that? And, and like people listening to us uh, across rural and regional Queensland, they're interested because th- there's really two sides of it. Um, we understand the government's desire to push forward with renewables. We understand that. But the fact is that there's not a lot of legislation around it means that uh, that can that can happen anywhere. And as the mayor, you, you've got to try and keep everybody on side. Now, I understand that yeah. as a council. Where is that at? I mean, from a political it, landscape, there's really two divided parties on this and, and two opinions on it. That's that's right, Ben. Again, you've uh, you hit the nail on the head there. The, you know, the, 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 the farmers are and rural property owners are, you know, they're, they're at loggerheads. There's, there's some people that are supporting it and some that aren't. And, uh, you know, when you go into, um, you know, cutting into bushland and, and on ridge tops, it's, uh, it's not as easy as just opening in a paddock and, and building these things. So, they, they do have a significant impact on the um, the aesthetics of the area, and uh, you know I can understand the uh, the frustration um, by the way that these processes are being put in place through other levels of government. So where does um, it come I from? Who it, makes those decisions? Because when when you talk to the state government and you talk to the federal government, they mm. say, "Well, it's a local issue." <laughs> they say it comes back to the, they, they, oh, that's honest. That's where the, it comes back to. They said, "Well, oh, well you know," it's, because, it's, and, and I'm thinking to myself, "What the council don't want anything to do with this at all?" No, no, we, we don't we don't give the approvals. Uh, that's not our, our remit. They're actually um, the only thing we get to have a say in is, is the local roads and the impact of these uh, heavy vehicles on the local roads. So that's our main concern is, is where how we um, you know work with these companies that are coming through. They're knocking on their door every day and uh, and saying that they they're going to uh, set up, but they want to know what we they need to do to the road network. So um, you know a lot of these rural roads only see a couple of cars and a truck uh, occasionally, um, and then you're going to have all these heavy vehicles up and down and uh, building these these uh, turbines. Um, it's just yeah, an impact there that we, we struggle with. So um, we're working with them the best we can to make sure that, when the, that the legacies, um, yeah, there's no impact there. But as far as the approvals for the for the um, wind farms proper, that's uh, that's with the state government and the Fed. So it's not really uh, not really a local government call. So are you frustrated by this? I mean, because of your great, you're born and raised in Rockhampton, are you frustrated by something like this happening? It, it is going to do massive damage. And the hypocritical thing is that we're stopping farmers from with reef laws and vegetation management and, and all these other laws that we're implementing from a state and federal level, yet they come in for renewables and they throw the law book out the window. Look, and uh, it's probably a, a bigger concern even extends further than that, Ben, is, is the, you know, when there is that transition away from the, the, the resources, 
where are those jobs for these regional towns in the future as well? So it's not only impacted and the legacy that these wind farms and solar farms can can leave, but uh, you know, the reduction in the, uh, the 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 jobs in the economy with uh, with that transition as well. So you know we need those other levels of government not to be sitting in the towers of power. They need to be out out here on the ground and talking with the people that are affected to understand what those impacts are. Yeah, appreciate your time. Uh, great to chat. Congrats on the feedlot. You've got some challenges, um, but you're doing a fantastic job. Really appreciate it. Mate, have to see you up here in beef uh, 2024. I'll be there. I'll be up there shortly as well. The Capras, you're top of the table. Capras are going not too bad either. So <laughs> they're, they're going all right. I was only on there on the weekend and they managed to pull off a draw. So uh, that was a great result. And uh, they've done yeah, well with the, 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 and, and Tony, you've been a part of this as well. Um, the, the collaboration and the partnership with the Dolphins has been a real success. It's been what oh. yeah, it's been just. Uh, I, I said to Terry Reader the other day, the CEO of the Dolphins. He, he that's one of their greatest things, and the fact that the, the Capras are so strong. Um, I mean, you know. I said, "Dare to dream." The grand final could be Redcliffe and, and the and um, the Capras, which would be unbelievable. The, the, that affiliation has really, you know, going gangbusters. And uh, one, I, I pay credit to the Dolphins for looking into the, the CQ region because there's some great talent that's come out of this area. And uh, now we're having that pathway into the NRL for our local players and uh, local clubs, it really is a uh, you know a, a, a dream come true, so to speak. There, Ben, because it's been a long time where they've. They've been in the, the CQ Cup and the Queensland Cup, and uh, it's just one where they they've, they've always been outshone by the, uh, the you know, those clubs with the NRL players coming down and uh, feeding into them. So it, it's leveled the field out a bit, and uh, it's great to see uh, we're in there within the competition um, going well this year. So yeah, look awesome. forward to uh, seeing how they go through, and uh, yeah, keep an eye on that. Good on you, Tony Williams, Regional Rockhampton Council Mayor. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. We'll take Bye. a break. Come back. Rural Queensland today. That's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network for Tuesday morning, the 23rd of May. Have a great day. Ray Hadley to join you next. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We will be back tomorrow morning. Go to Spotify to download any of our previous episodes and we'll try and catch up with anything you get in contact with us for. Ben.dobbin at ruralqldtoday.com.au is my email. You can get in contact with me anytime you like. That's it from us here. Stay safe on the roads. Until next time, from all the team here at Rural Queensland today, enjoy your Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. Ray Hadley joins you next. From Ben Dobbin and Rural Queensland today, it's bye for now.